Welcome, and thank you for joining us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church, Kannapolis, North Carolina. As senior pastor, Dean Hunter shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. If you have your Bibles, I trust you brought them to church with you. We're going to be in the book of 2 Peter. Probably no surprise if you've been here the last few weeks. But we are in a new chapter, chapter 2, making progress. As I said, if you've been here the last few Sundays, you know that we're going through this book as we kind of continue the thought of lessons for the last days. We are living in the last days. It's amazing that, um, try not to preach yet, I know where I'm going, but some things never change. And days gone by in the first century church, there were people who neglected or chose not to, and some chose to preach that there would be no second coming of Jesus, there would be no glad homecoming day, there was no resurrection of the dead, and yet we find ourselves 2,000 years later living in a culture and a society where people still believe that. Unfortunately, some people still teach that. It is a great thought, if you live like the devil, to know that there's not going to be any judgment, to know that there's not going to be given an answer one day. And so um, I believe the Bible speaks clearly to people deceiving themselves, convincing themselves there's no reason why I should live holy and separated. There's no reason why I should give my life to Christ and devote myself to him. Um, What will be will be, will live, will die, and it'll be it have a hard time believing. I didn't, I didn't have to be a Christian to start questioning how someone, how individuals, how creation could be so overwhelmingly, intricately complicated to think you just live, you die, and it's over. And then God's word sheds light on the reality of his creation, of his first coming to earth and the fact that he will come again. Uh, I trust you can get excited about a glad homecoming day. What a dreadful life it would be if this is all we had to live for. Paul said if this was the only hope we had was in this life, we would be of all men most miserable. If you've got a good life, thank God for it. Most of us, if we're honest, we look around and say, we've got a pretty good life. And we ought to be grateful for it. But if this was the best If this was it, we would be the most miserable group of people on the planet. But one day, we're going to see him face to face, the one who made it possible for us to have peace, for us to have joy, for us to have patience and long-suffering. One day, we'll be reunited with loved ones, moms, dads, grandparents, siblings, children, because there is a glad homecoming reunion day. According to the word of God, not the word of man, according to the word of God, not the Baptists, not the Methodists, not the Lutherans, but God said he will return. We'll be like him, changed. Nobody will be mean anymore. You found Second Peter chapter 2. You are a fortunate group of people today. I started off preparing for nine verses, and because I love you and I know we all have a short attention span, we're going to look at one point. You don't need to know the other points. We're going to look at the first three verses today. Would you stand as we honor God's word? I trust you believe God's word is true, absolute truth, good for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in all righteousness. And here's my forewarning and my commercial. And I I mean this seriously, but maybe somewhat comedically. I have no intentions personally to upset anybody today. I didn't make up this passage of scripture. I'm going to read three verses, and I'm going to speak to those three verses where in Peter's day, they dealt with he dealt with true preachers, true believers 
dealt with an issue that Moses dealt with, that they were dealing with, and you and I in 2022, because we have common sense, we can see it, and because God's word, God's word says it, we'll see it, dealing with the same problems. Someone once said, there's nothing new under the sun. I have no intention to hurt a feeling today. God knows my heart better than I do. When I was studying for this, I, I fought a little with myself, and I prayed honestly, God, don't let me say anything in this passage, in this sermon, that is self-promoting or self-satisfying, but to call out the truth to help people. My goal in this passage is to help Christians, help lost people see reality and truth, not just in this church, but this is a message that the world needs to hear because we are warned by God in 2 Peter chapter 2. If you've snuck a peek, because they've already snuck a peek for you up there on the screen, we ain't got all this tied, you know where we're going. Peter writing to the church, writing to us, writing to believers, he says, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. That just sounds bad. Even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. And by reason or for this reason of whom the way of truth, which is the way we're walking in, the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Father, thank you for your word. God, no doubt there are many people here today, many people watching, who believe your word is absolute truth. May we not be confused or tricked by an enemy to believe false teachers and false teachings. May we combat and confront false teaching with the truth of your word. Knowing it, living it, applying it, and doing it. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In these last days, I believe these first three verses help us prepare for false teachings. Prepare for false teachers. Actually, all nine verses, there'll be three points, two more to follow after today. Where in these last days, like I said, if you've been here for the last few weeks or a couple months, we understand that the last days that we are living in represent the time from Jesus' ascension to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father according to Scripture, ever living to make intercession to pray for us until the time he returns. And if we know anything about Scripture, it is very clear that he will return. We get so caught up in the the denominational circles and the theological circles, and we, we try to have the answers for when he's going to come. There are some people that get all excited about the, the numerical curiosities of Scripture. I've, I've always been kind of intrigued, but I try not to preach things that I don't believe are accurate. But Jesus said, no man knows the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will turn. Jesus said, not even myself, but only my Father in heaven. Now, I didn't say anybody in here setting dates or Facebook posts saying he's coming back, you know, December 24th. Wouldn't that stink if Jesus came back the day before Christmas? <laughs> That's a joke. But he will return. And if we're not careful, we'll get so caught up in trying to figure out the pre, post, ah, mid, and all this stuff that we miss the reality that he's coming and we're to be ready. In these last days before he returns, there are some things we see in Scripture that 
shouldn't surprise us, but if I'm honest, I think when we say false teachers or false teachings or false preachers today, most people, maybe most people dismiss that as as we don't have that problem today. That's part of the pernition, to use the King James word. That's part of the trickiness. That's part of the um, cleverness of the enemy. It's to make us think, certainly that doesn't go on today. Certainly there aren't preachers and teachers who are teaching false doctrines that would cause people to miss heaven. But there are. And they're not all so obvious. As a matter of fact, God tells us through Peter's writing that it will be sometimes difficult to know the difference between the truth and the lie. Well, how do we know the truth? You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Jesus said in John 17, 17, as he's praying to God in the Garden of Gethsemane, separate them, sanctify them, believers, disciples, followers of Christ, separate them from the craziness of this world by thy truth, by thy word, thy word, John 17, 17, is truth. There's no secret formula. I'm not opposed to books. I'm not opposed to books to help you understand this book. But this book is truth. What our best author, our best pastor friend, our, our best theologian that we look up to says is not truth unless it confirms the truth. I figured out a long time ago everybody has an opinion. And I'm just full of them. Spend a few minutes. I can share a lot with you. So how do we know when we're being told something that's not true? We have to know the authentic. We have to know the genuine. And in Peter's letter, in 2 Peter, in the first chapter, which we've already finished and I won't reload there, he is encouraging believers to know this. Last week, the message was remember the word. Don't forsake the word, know the word, live the word, do the word. We as believers, especially in the last day, the church of Jesus Christ, not of Latter-day Saints, but the church of Jesus Christ, we've got to know why we believe what we believe. And it's not because the Baptist faith and message, which I'm not opposed to, it uses scripture to affirm what we believe. It's not a denomination, it's the word of God. There's a lot of people in 2022 with this false understanding that they're going to heaven because of this, this, and this, or because I, I got baptized. We, we live in a, in a generation and an age, even in this city and this community, where we have to be careful with church membership. We have to be careful with baptism, not just because people creep in and start to cause division, that's biblical, but because we live in such a, a mixed culture of people I have to, our leadership has to be very concerned that people don't think just because they got baptized they're on the way to heaven. Because there are some false religions, false teachings that would make you think that. Well, I joined a church, I am convinced in my tenure of membership and pastoral staff at this church, we've had people join this church because they thought they needed to be a part of a church to go to heaven. If a person walks in, and you've never seen them before, and at the end of the service, the doors, the proverbial doors to the church are opened, like we used to could do back when some of y'all were spring chickens. We didn't have to worry about some devil getting in. We used to do that, and we grew up in that age. And I'm sitting there, and here comes some lady I've never seen before. I've got a picture in my mind right now because I, I experienced it. She comes up front, and I'm running like security and I'm running interpretation for the pastor and I'm trying to make sure, yeah, what's going on? I want to join the church. I remember it. 
I remember it happening. It's not just one time, it's many times, and it happens Sunday after Sunday after Sunday at churches all over. And yeah, we ought to be concerned that they're not coming up there with something hidden in their whatever. We ought to be concerned that they're um, not trying to cause division in the church. But our biggest concern is they don't think they're going to heaven because they made some decision and signed a card. Well, how do you fix that? You say, hey, you born again, you know it? Yep. And then I've never seen that woman again the rest of my life. And it's not just one woman. I've just got her in my mind. But it happens weekly. It happens often in churches. And people go out with some false hope that they're going to heaven because they got wet or because they filled out a card and got a gift at a church or they, the, God forbid, the pastor prayed for them. We've had, we get calls all the time. People say, hey, can the pastor pray with me? That's not... It's not like it's not in our job description. I'm just saying a false belief that if the pastor prays for them, somehow they just elevated their spiritual stock. We live in that age. You work with people who believe lies. We live in a messed up world to where you go in, we, we joke about this, and you tell somebody, you tell a good friend, you boys and girls that think you like the boys and girls now, which you ought to like the opposite sex, when you start to talk about you know, going out and you start to, hey, it's important. What do you believe about salvation? Are you saved? Are you born again? How do you know it? I'll never forget this, and it's always at the forefront of my mind when I think about false religions, false teachings, false hope, false decisions. Some of you have heard this, but there's new people here, but I went to Liberty University. Baptist, Southern Baptist, Jerry Falwell. I spent a lot of time there. One of my roommates, I'll never forget this, that it's just practical because we have people like this in our lives. And what he said 20, long time ago, years ago, is still prevalent today. And I remember being a, a good, perfect Christian that wanted to be a Baptist preacher one day, thinking, are you kidding me? This kid was wealthy. He came from an area within an hour of here. He went to a Southern Baptist church. He went to school from kindergarten to 12th grade at a Southern Baptist Christian school. And now he found himself at a Southern Baptist college. And he told me, he was convinced, he believed that anybody, that God would allow any religion to get into heaven. Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, Christian, because this was, the, this, was the soft, this was the soft thought that God of love, grace, and mercy would certainly not turn a man, woman, boy, or girl who followed the wrong religion. Certainly, when they got to heaven, God would excuse that and say, well, you were, you were really committed to your religion. Come on in. That's still prevalent today. How would a God of love turn people away? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus, not another prophet, not another leader of a cult. He sent Jesus, his only son, perfect, sinless, the only one who could pay the price for our sin. No other religion offers forgiveness and payment for sin by a perfect, sinless sacrifice. I say this, we joke about it. You want to get a little division started tomorrow at the water cooler? Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Y'all see the game? Yeah, Panthers lost again. That, that's how you can start off. Are they ever going to fire Matt Rule? That's how you can start off. What does Matt Rule have on leadership and ownership that they're not, you know, he's blackmailing them? Start off with that and then say, by the way, do y'all understand that nobody's getting to heaven unless you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? And then mic drop and walk off, see what happens. <laughs> drop your water bottle, boom. I'm not sure which will catch more traction, the, the Matt Rule talk or the the Jesus talk, but it's not something everybody agrees with. And unfortunately, in Peter's day, even in the Old Testament, we'll see, and even today, according to Scripture, there's still false teachers, 
and there's still false teachings. There are many people, many people, Scripture says, following them. So I think I've set the stage. So let's look at the first point of three. Maybe two will come next week. We'll see the description of false teachers. Because I know the text and you can see the text, the encouraging things, well, one, is that believers are offered righteousness, are offered deliverance, but these false teachers, their end is destruction. It's in the text, it's for next week, so don't get ahead. But it's a destructive teaching, and they are headed for destruction. But first, Peter describes these people. I'm going to go through the text, and I'm calling what Peter, I'm, I'm reading what Peter said, what God said through his inspiration. And our duty as a Christian is to, is to see clearly what God is saying, avoid these false teachings, false teachers, and quite honestly, I think what I'm doing, other than just following the text, what I'm doing is exposing these false teachers. I read minds. <laughs> Some of you already knew that. What I'm feeling right now, I'm just <laughs> what often happens, and I, honestly, some of you know my heart, kind of, you think. Some of you know me, kind of, you think some more than others. And I mean this as genuine and authentic as I can. God knows my heart. But when a person, a preacher, a pastor reads this text, calls out false teachers and false teachings, a natural response is to make an excuse or to say he's only doing it because fill in the blank. I read, I watch, we live in a day where we are saturated through TV, through radio, through podcast, through satellite this, satellite that, with anybody who can gather a crowd and will do anything they can to make the crowd bigger and to make the offering plates fuller. By the way, we need to work on this side. This one's a little... <laughs> we have offering plates up front. I don't mention money often. Now's a good time. No, not today. It won't be good. But he's only calling that preacher out because he's jealous. He's, he's just, he just wished he had a church like that. Not just me. This is, this is how Bible preachers get handled in a messed up, sinful culture today. Well, he just wished he had a, a Joel. Anybody got a Joel? It's the Alexa that's got Joel's name on it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Justin has one, right? You got him one for Father's Day? Y'all know about this? You, you Osteen fans, you know about this. Don't you play dumb on me. He's got his own Alexa. You press it, and, and Joel gives you encouraging comments for today. Anybody think I'm making that up? You're wrong, Juan. <laughs> You're the only one out of all these people that disagreed with me. No, it's real. You're just jealous because you don't have a Joel or a Dean. You don't want to press it and me say something just whenever. <laughs> no telling what's coming out. I fell out of the choir. The balcony. You just, you just wish you had the Houston Rockets arena full every Sunday. You just wish you had 14 campuses and a million followers on Instagram. This is, this is the rebuttal today. 
And unfortunately, a lot of times it comes from people that sit in pews Sunday after Sunday claiming to be born-again Christians, and then they call out preachers for, oh, you shouldn't be talking about them. No, here's, here's the reality. Here's the reality. We're all tempted with favor. We're tempted with money. We're tempted with um, followers on whatever source you choose. We're all tempted by that because we're all flesh and we're all rotten and we love ourselves. So what James says, come on Wednesdays, we'll feel great about ourselves. You can only overcome that by the Holy Spirit and his power. You got born again, you got changed, but you woke up with the same flesh on. You woke up loving yourself. Yeah, there's a temptation to have what they've got, have what they've got. I like their car, I like their house, I like their whatever. I like their kids better than mine, I wish they were mine, whatever. As a pastor who cares more about your soul, it's worth the rebuttal. Because God wants us to know the truth, be able to spot the fakes, so that you're not part of that group one day who hears, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. I say this again like last week, how would we ever get to a place where Jesus would stand before somebody who claims to preach and teach in his name, to do miracles in his name, and to hear, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. How would we ever get to that place? There was, there were, and there are false teachers, false teachings, and many will follow them. Have I set the stage? Made up any lies so far? We see the description of them. Number one, false prophets are common. There were, they're also among the people, there, they were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. I'm not gonna preach this out, but there's a differentiation between false prophets and false teachers. In Moses' day, in the old world, before the flood, there were false prophets. Just a little theology here, we have the final prophecy. There are no more prophets. There was my first upset somebody. Well, I was watching this prayer. He's calling out all this stuff that's going to happen. Says he's a prophet. I don't believe him. Now, if he got somebody who read the word of God and said this is going to happen because of the word of God, that's different. What? Well, I had a dream. Oh, see, uh, if I start that, people are going to get upset. I had a dream. You send in $25 and I'll tell you what it was. <laughs> it was a doozy. They were so common. Here's the reality. Church, we shouldn't be surprised, but we should be prepared. There's a lot of people surprised when they find out. A lot of people get upset when you start calling them out. I've called some names from this pulpit before, and I try not to be mean when I do it, and once again, God knows my heart, and there's at least some localized, at least one localized, and I know for a fact some things that I wish I didn't know about the person, about the whole setup, but I can't imagine having 15 campuses and being an influencer, which is the fun thing today, by the way, I understand that I understand English language and I understand you can influence people and pastors should be an influencer but when you're more concerned about being an influencer than a pastor I think you've missed your calling that's just my personal opinion I have find it very very difficult to swallow when you have um, you're influenced you're an influencer over hundreds of thousands of young adults and you could change this country potentially with your influence and you choose to avoid the issues that matter because you want to fill your room. I have a hard, I have hard time swallowing that. Especially when you're in North Carolina and you could influence hundreds of thousands to change North Carolina. If you preach the truth and they got really saved and they started serving God, but when you're more afraid to run them off of your buildings... And that's what's happened. And that's what's happening. 
And I, I assure you there's a lot of things I'll give account for one day, but I don't ever want to give an account for sending somebody a mixed signal that they can get to heaven any other way than Jesus. Understanding that he paid the price for your sin. Understanding your lostness. Understanding that you were born separated from God. Understanding that you were unworthy of salvation, but by grace and faith alone, he saved you by paying the price for your sins. That's salvation. That's the gospel. There were false prophets among you, even as there shall be. Remember Elijah had a, a battle with false prophets? Uh, when you go back to the Old Testament, you start to see some of these people they served and some of these false prophets they served and some of the silly stuff they did. You think, who convinced them to do that? Elijah on the mountain, I love that because I think Elijah's kind of, he probably did like I would have done. He was kind of sarcastic about it, but I think he was spiritual and godly, so probably he wasn't. Go get, hey, let's not just put the sacrifice up. Let's just cover it in water when there's a drought. Let's build a trench around it and let it fill up full of water. Let's really show them who's God. And these prophets start cutting themselves. They start sacrificing themselves for, for Baal. Baal, please answer. You're making us look like idiots. Now, the truth often makes people look like idiots, not a good church Christian word, but makes people look a little outside of it. I always think this, who convinced them to do that? What, what bail preacher convinced them to do that? He must have been a good one. I think about this. Moses is leading the people of Israel. God calls him up on the mountain. He's getting the Ten Commandments. Y'all know what happens. Party breaks out, Right? The man of God, the leader of God's people who's chosen by God is up getting the Ten Commandments handwritten by God and the people that he's been leading throw a big jig and do what? Melt all their jewelry. Turn it into a God. And, and Moses comes down and sees them worshiping a handmade God out of their own jewelry. I think that's crazy. But then I step back and say, who convinced them to do that? He must have been a great influencer. I don't see that in scripture who did it, but somebody became the preacher and said, hey guys, get around. I got an idea. He's been going a while. You know, we got to worship something. Take those earrings out. Somebody get a fire started. Take the necklace out. Get, get all, your, all your jewelry. Let's, let's just make this big blob of metal. What a, what a creative influencer. Whoever that was must have been. Because they started doing it. It's never, it's, it's nothing new. And Peter said, they're among us today. Remember the Pharisees? Remember the Sadducees? These are false teachers. Well, Pharisee, I thought they were Jews, like they were good people. Pharisees made up their own laws. They not only followed the written law of God, they made up their oral laws, and the oral laws were sometimes more strict than God's laws, and they expected you to follow their laws more so than God's laws. That's heresy. That's false teaching. That's work salvation. That's do what the preacher says and not what God says. That was happening. Sadducees walking around. They didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. They didn't believe in life after death. What a, what a poor bunch of grumpies that was. This is it. Been good knowing you. They either lived that way or they partied it up. Yeah. Because it's over after this. Remember Paul in 1 Corinthians 15? Hey, I, I, Paul's, Paul's a good guy too. Paul says, hey, um, I'm hearing that some of you are believing that there's no resurrection from the dead. And if that's the case, how did Jesus raise from the dead? And then he goes on and starts preaching hard to them and says, if there's no resurrection of the dead, your faith is in vain, your hope's in vain, your life's in vain. Everything you're doing is futile. Stop doing it. It's worthless. But he did raise from the dead is how he says in 1 Corinthians 15. So it's not hopeless. You're not helpless. It is worthwhile. 
He says, your, your loved ones who died in Christ are not hopeless anymore. We're gonna see them again. There will be a glad reunion day because he did raise from the dead. And then we come to today. Well, certainly we don't have any bail preachers today. Certainly we don't have any Sadducees today. There might be some Sadducees you work with, but there's some Sadducee preachers preaching today. I didn't say Baptist. I'm just saying that don't believe in a resurrection. I kind of mulled over how to do what I'm about to do. I've probably already offended some people. But I have one, two, three, four. Four of probably the most well-known leaders with the most influence. I got a few men. I got a lady. Covered the ethnic I got the black, I got the white. And I'm not doing this just to call them out because I don't think I'm, I'm not even going to say their names. You send $25, I'll send you their name. <laughs> I know the last point, that's why I keep saying $25. Listen to this. The Bible can't even find any way to explain this. This is quote. Not really, that is why you have got to get it by revelation. Women all over the auditorium. That'd help you. There are no words to explain what I'm telling you. I've got to, I've got to trust, just trust God that he is putting it into your spirit like he puts it in mine. Oh, I can't find that verse because she's already told me it's not in there. What? I got a revelation from you. God, God forgot about this one. So let me share what he gave me to give you. You can't find it. I can only hope he's putting it in you too. Buy my book. How about this one? You you will often receive preferential treatment simply because your father is the king of kings and his glory and honor spill over onto you. Anybody ever been in line? You look like a good Christian. Come on up here and get in the front. Come on. Come up front. Forget the rest of them. You can pull into a packed parking deck and there's somebody waiting. Christians, good Christian, I saved this one for you. You'll often receive preferential treatment just because your father is the king of kings. Jesus, the son of God said, don't be surprised when they hate you because they hated me first. Friend, there's a miracle in your mouth. How so? The moment you speak something out, you give birth to it. This is a spiritual principle and it works whether you are whether what you are saying is good or bad, positive or negative. Therefore, you must start boldly confessing God's word, using your words to move forward in life, to bring to life the great things God has in store for you. Just say it. Speak it. And every day's a Friday. When God's word says, life is a few days and full of Mondays. Few days and full of troubles, but God wants you to have Friday every day. What do you do when you teach somebody that every day's a Friday and God's that way and He wants you to enjoy Friday every day? And you wake up tomorrow and you get a phone call from the doctor two weeks ago you went to and they say you got stage four cancer. Happy Friday. What does that do to your faith? What does that do to your hope and trust in the Word of God? When every day is not a Friday, some days are terrible. What do you do when you, you lose a loved one? I understand there's good intentions, potentially, but it's just not true. 
You have to be able to identify the truth and know that because of, in spite of, despite of bad days, God is good and his ways are perfect and he's there to comfort you. You don't need to be comforted and have peace when every day's a Friday. But the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Why? Because there's bad days. Because there's bad news. Because we live in a bad world. And we're immersed in a sinful anti-Christ culture. You're not going to have Friday every day in that mess. How about this one? This was a sneaky one. There is one God, creator of all things. Amen, brother. Infinitely perfect and eternally existing in three manifestations. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's right, brother. That's wrong, brother. This is a leader. Got his own church with his own denomination, which ought to scare some people. So what did you say wrong? I'm glad you asked. Because they sneaky bring it in alongside of what the text says. Best lies have a lot of truth. God is one God and three distinct persons. God is not a God manifest in three different manifestations. Can I explain that? Absolutely not. Do I believe it? Absolutely. Why? Not because this cat said it, because he lied. Because the word of God says it. The Trinity, God in three persons. That's why we sing God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Not God in three manifestations. He goes on to say you can't be with one at a time. They can't be in three different places because it's the one God manifest in three different ways. But the Bible says that Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration last week, if you were here, in the flesh, and God the Father said, this is my beloved son, hear him. Two different people, not manifestations. Well, we saw Jesus, and then he disappeared, and all of a sudden we heard this voice. That would be a manifestation. The baptism. Maybe this person's Bible doesn't have the baptism or transfiguration in it. But if I was to read that, or if you were to hear that, and the people in that church hear that, they were like, that's right, brother, God, yeah. He doesn't believe the Bible. He doesn't believe the Trinity, a foundational truth. And everybody's looking at me right now saying, please say his name. <laughs> I can see it on your faces. And I read minds. How about this one? This is a repeat offender. Following Jesus doesn't change you into something else. It reveals who you've been all along. If anybody knows who you've been, it's you. I didn't get saved and become more of who I already was. It doesn't change you. Following Jesus doesn't change you. Peter and James, they all still became, they were still public, they were still fishermen by trade and Jesus gave them days off to go fish and take care of their family. I'm making that up, by the way. That's not true because he did change them. Somebody's like, Where, what first was that? Where's that at? My Bible says this. If you've been saved, you become a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Not more you, but new. Ironically, I read that, and I've been studying this week, and I listened to a podcast this week by Adrian Rogers, who has a way with words. And he says, uh, and he didn't know I was going to use it. I think it's all right. I've got a modern-day preacher today with hundreds of thousands of young adults, and he says, you didn't, when, you, when you follow Jesus, you don't really change. You just become more of who you've always been. And I got Adrian Rogers 40 years ago saying, when you get saved, it's not like a tadpole becoming a frog. That's, that's becoming more of who you already were. A tadpole becoming a frog. And Adrian Rogers, in a way only Adrian Rogers said, he said, that's when a frog becomes a prince. When he's been kissed by grace. 
That's transformation. That's new life. That's old things passed away. I'm not a warty old frog anymore. I'm a prince. You got saved. You didn't just become a better manifestation of who you already were. You'd just be a better sinner. A better cheater. Boy, I've always been good at cheating. When I got saved, I, nobody tells when I'm cheating. <laughs> I got to stop having fun with them. This one's favorite. It's all over the internet. He made this statement. And he says, what God did when he sent his son, and then he kind of does a little emotional, and he says, he broke the law for love. God broke the law for love, and he compared it. I knew you'd come in when I started talking about your friend. He compared it <laughs> to breaking the speed limit when you got a hurt family member and you got to break the speed limit to get to the hospital. God broke the law because he loved you so much. God is perfect. God is holy. God is good. God is righteous. God's not breaking a law. False prophets are common. False prophets are clever. King James uses this word privily here. Most people say privately. That's kind of what it means. It's, it's more, the actual word is to, to sneak in alongside of. Come in, tell them this, and then I'm going to leave this with them. It's that God is, God's trinity is three manifestations of God. He said trinity, he said God, he said a big word manifestation. That must be true. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's destroying the foundation of the trinity. Now all, none of us in here can probably give a good paragraph of explanation of what the trinity is because it's beyond our comprehension. But it's certainly not three manifestations of one person that can't appear at the same time. Snuck it in on me. Because of their clever abilities. Here's the thing. Why would people, we ask this question, why would people follow them? The verse says, and many shall follow their pernicious ways. Pernicious is depraved. They're depraved. They don't know the truth. They're making stuff up. Which is very simple, but it's actually what the text says and what Peter is confronting. He talks about made-up fables and fairy tales. Like, where do you get this from? Where do, where do you make this stuff up from? Oh, it sounds good. It's a fable. It's a fairy tale. Can you show it to me in Scripture? No, it's special revelation. Can you show me where you get special revelation? No, but I can show you where if you add or take away any of this revelation, you're subject to the plagues there, there within. But many will follow their pernicious ways, which leads us to an answer for how we would get to the place where many will say to me, Lord, Lord, because broad is the path that leads to destruction, and many there be who find it, but narrow is the path that leads to eternal life, and few there be who find it. Not everybody claiming to go to heaven is going, and I don't say that as if that's good news. That's why the church, that's why the pastors, that's why the leaders, that's why the Christians in the church ought to know why they believe what they believe and be able to teach it, preach it, live it, explain it, because we don't want people thinking they're going to heaven and miss it. That's why, because our natural tendency is we don't want that to happen, so we'll make up a lie and we'll preach it from pulpits because that's what we want to happen, that God is a God of love, grace, and mercy, and he wouldn't allow that. No, God is perfect. We're born. Church, we're born in condemnation. We're born at enmity with God. We're born separated from God. The world without Jesus is condemned already. The world is on their way to hell unless they accept Christ. The payment for their sin. False prophets are clever. By the way, they capitalize on people that don't know anything. 
False prophets are counterproductive. This is an obvious. The second part of verse two, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. This, we ought to take this personal as Christians. We ought to get good and righteously ticked off. It's the pe- what, what this is saying, what verse two is saying, it's people like this that give us a bad name. That's what he's saying. By this reason, because of these people, the cause or the way of truth. Early Christians were called those in the way. Those of the way. Now we're just in the way. But it's those of the way. The way, the truth, and the life. Early Christians were called the way. People of the way. Peter says those who are of the way, in the way of truth, evil shall be spoken of. The way of truth. Why? Because these guys taking advantage, lying, and cheating, and stealing, and capitalizing on ignorant people. Making up stuff. Sending people to hell in an air-conditioned facility while they throw their money at them. That sounded mean, didn't it? That sounded old grumpy. It ought to catch our attention so that our kids and our grandkids and our friends and our family hear a true gospel, a true gospel. And they don't miss heaven on some phony gospel that sounds good, sounds like the world would like it, sounds appealing, sounds appetizing, it's palatable. It's nominal Christianity in America. For you country bumpkins, it's the ones where people say, if that's a Christian, the woods are full of them. Or if that's a Christian, I don't want to be anything like that. Or if that's a Christian, surely I'm better than them. And because of them, the way of truth, Christianity suffers a bad reputation because of a bunch of phonies. False prophets are counterproductive to the cause of Christ, and false prophets are covetous. What the word says. And through covetousness, this ought to just, if you've ever given a dollar for a Somebody probably has. I probably shouldn't send. I just sweat on this. You send $25, I'll give it to you. Prayer cloth. Does it have to be $25? No, if it can be $50, whatever the Lord reveals to you. Jim Baker resurrected, and he sells more snake oil. Somebody's bought it, and I can tell. I felt it. Yeah, but my joints have never felt better. It's illegal in 26 states in Canada. I got enough food to last till 3,027. The Bible says, Peter says, through covetousness, they shall, with feigned words, you ought to take this personal, make merchandise of you. You don't have to go to college to figure out what that means and make money off of you you say well it can't be that simple maybe it can be maybe the love of money really is the root of all evil all evil and all evil things and there's nothing more evil than phony religion sending people to hell while you ride a 45 million dollar private jet that was so specific I'm because I've probably, I'm not gonna to try to do this. I've got pictures that I don't want you to show. I don't want you to show them. When a pastor's raising money for a $54 million jet and makes a statement on the news that Jesus wouldn't be walking around riding a donkey anymore, he'd be on a private jet. When you got another one that's the, the highest net worth televangelist on the planet, and he's the creepiest too. When he has a fleet of jets and he says Tyler Perry sold him a jet and he made, he made it so cheap I couldn't help but buying it because he didn't want to get in a tube with a bunch of demons is what he said. Talking about commercial airlines. You demons. They're feigned and through covetousness their greed they shall with feigned or fictitious Make believe words, they will make merchandise of you. What do we do? We prepare for this. We know it. Don't be surprised by it. 
as I've said a couple times, I've been, I'm, I'm performing a wedding this week and we've had multiple counseling sessions and I tell them every time we meet, uh, one of my jobs is to commit you not to get married. No, I don't say that. I kind of, it's to, to help there be no surprises. Once again, y'all got real. Did anybody get married and figure out you didn't know everything about that person? Okay, there we go. So it's to eliminate surprises. So in our Christian walk, if we eliminate surprises, hey, be prepared for them. The, the best way to prepare for false teaching is to know true teaching. And so I'm gonna conclude in a way that's kind of different, but how do we prepare? 2 Peter 3.18. This is the last verse, last chapter of 2 Peter. We're not there yet, but we will be. Peter says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. That's, that's how we prepare for it. In 2 Timothy 2, wherefore, or 115, wherefore make your calling and election sure. 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through 8, beside this, do everything you can, giving all diligence to add faith, virtue, and virtue, knowledge, and knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall be not barren, but you shall be fruitful, you shall be profitable. This is what we do. This is how we respond. We grow. We draw closer to him. We do everything we can to grow closer to him. Why? Because we know this is the word of God. We know this is true. And Peter says it's inspired by God. It's infallible. It's perfect. Know it. You listen to somebody and they say something that sounds good, but it's not in scripture. It's probably because they made up a fable. And Peter tells them in the first chapter, hey, I didn't come to you with these crazy fables. I came to you with the truth and with experience of following him, the resurrected savior. That's who we are. We're men and women of the truth. We're in the way of truth. Teach it to our children. Teach it to our grandchildren. Make them aware that there are devils, there are antichrists that would like to convince you that this is not true, but that their words, their flowery, fun words are more true. We have an enemy. One of the places the enemy has gained the most ground is inside of churches in America. Not just with division for silly issues, but with people behind a pulpit dressed in $8,000 suits, riding $54 million jets, asking for your money, making a fool out of you, making merchandise of you with a false phony gospel. Say, well, I don't, I don't believe all this. I think they're crazy. Your neighbor probably doesn't. Your friend at work probably doesn't. Your friend that doesn't know what true Christianity is and never heard the Bible, but will turn on the TV and listen to somebody and send $20 for a bottle of oil or a prayer cloth, they need to know the truth. It's the truth that will set them free. It's the truth that will help them. It's the truth that offers hope. It's the truth that offers salvation, not a false teaching. Would you stand with me? Would you bow your heads? I'm going to pray. In this exposing of false teachers, in this passage, there's also the exposing of the true gospel. I've preached it. I've mentioned it. There's one way to heaven. The key to understanding you need salvation is to understand you need salvation and why you need salvation. It's because we're born into sin. There's none righteous, no, not one. You are certainly not righteous, and when you get saved, you become more righteous. That's a false doctrine. There's not a seed of God planted in your heart that's just waiting to come forth into salvation. No, we're unrighteous, none righteous, no, not one. Not because you're a mean person, not because you robbed a bank, but because you were born, and Paul says you're born into sin. That's the truth. That sounds like bad news, and it is. 
That's what makes the good news so good is understanding the bad news. There's none righteous and that was me and I can be made known the righteousness of God because of what Jesus did for me. That's good news. Good news is not that you were a tadpole and now you're an ugly frog. Good news is you were an ugly frog and now you're a prince because of God's grace. That's good news. You ever been born again? Truly do you know you've been saved? One of the tragic tricks of the enemy is certainly to make people feel saved, think they're saved, on their way to heaven under some false pretenses. Before we leave here today, I want you to know that you know. Paul, Peter said, make your calling and election sure. Know it. If you're here today and you're a believer and you know it and you're convinced, our challenge is this. Know it. Know it. Study it. Don't trust the preacher. Don't trust the pastor. Surely don't trust the televangelist to teach it to you. Know it. What a privilege to have a copy of God's Word in a language you can read and you can open it every day and be spoken to through the Holy Spirit by the Word of God and to know Him and be able to spot the phonies, spot the counterfeits. You hear some crazy theology say, I've never seen that before and I know it all. Know it. Grow close to Him. Grow in grace and knowledge. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.